So uh, the University of Oklahoma, the uh, girls softball team, uh, last month they were national champions. It's the third straight year that they've been number one in the country. Um, they're just this dominant machine, um, just crushing pretty much everybody they encounter. They had a 52-game winning streak. Um, anyway, during the, uh, I guess like the World Series, they did a the, uh, press conference. A couple of the leading, I guess the, the best players on this team. And this video, uh, part of this video went viral. Uh, and it was really the response of these girls. The question was kind of simple. It was from an ESPN reporter, and he asked, uh, basically, how do you handle the pressure? I mean, you're on this epic team, you know, this record-breaking team. How do you, the pressure to kind of keep winning streaks going and maintaining national championships, how do you do it? And uh, anyway, this one girl was the first one to respond, and she talked about faith. She talked about Jesus, like in this absolute kind of unapologetic way. Um, she talked about the difference between happiness and joy. She said, uh, you know, happiness is kind of fleeting. When good things hap uh, happen, we're happy. But then as soon as something bad happens, we lose the happiness. She said, joy is sort of a different animal. I mean, it's similar, like we kind of almost interchange those words, or at least I did, until I heard her explanation. And she said, no, no, happiness, I mean, joy is a very different thing. Like joy, you can maintain joy even when bad stuff happens. Even if you lose a game, like you can still be joyful. You're not, you're not happy that you lost the game, but your, your, your heart, you're in a very kind of a joyful, positive place, despite what's going on around you. She said, the only way to have a sustaining joy that doesn't fade away, I think, is to know Christ. Any other type of joy, it's actually happiness, which comes and goes, but joy stays. Anyway, this was completely not what these sports writers were expecting to hear. They were expecting to talk about softball, you know, the sport, the game. Um, and then the other teammates joined in. This is what another one said, talking about their success. And she said, I think part of it is, she said, not being afraid to lose is what makes our team so strong. We want to win, but it's not the end of the world if we don't, because our life is in Christ. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Another one said, we know this game is giving us opportunities to glorify God. Once we figured that out, it really changed so much for us. And they said a few more comments. Um, and it kind of, like I said, it went viral. It was in the news there for a couple of days. You know, I've been a Catholic since my my whole life. I grew up in a practicing Catholic family. Um, I never really got away from faith. I never really got away from the church. You know, when 
high school and college when a lot of kids do. Like I didn't, you know, I, and I'm no, no credit to me. I just, I actually got closer to my faith during those years. Um, obviously, eventually I went into the seminary and you know, I'm, I'm here. But I tell you that, that interview, those athletes, that kind of faith talk, Jesus talk, I've never really kind of understood it. It's like the quarterback who gets interviewed on the sidelines right after the game, and he's asked about the win. And the first thing he says is, I'd like to thank Jesus. And you know, like a lot of people are thinking like, well, I didn't ask you about Jesus. I asked you about the, the touchdown. <laughs> Why are you talking about Jesus? Um, I, never, I never quite got that, in all honesty. I, I kind of would find it almost a little irritating. Like, too much. I think I used to think of it as sort of like a, like a Protestant thing. Kind of these Jesus freaks who just talk about him all the time. And hey, I mean, I'm up here. I'm in a pulpit talking to a couple of hundred people. Like, I know we got to talk about Jesus. But the way it's done by some people, I, I, I used to be kind of, it just seemed maybe too much. Like I said, it seemed very kind of Protestant. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just very committed. Maybe it's just a very Christian faith. Maybe I should be challenged by that. Maybe it's why that interview went viral. Because I think more than a few of us don't talk that way. Hey, we're here, we believe in Jesus, but we kind of keep it here. <laughs> we don't do a lot of Jesus talk outside of these four walls. But these athletes do, and they did. There's a difference. Here's another video that went viral. This was uh, about 15 years ago. Um, in fact, crazy, it was a girls softball again, college softball. It wasn't a championship game, but it was a playoff game. You may remember this. These, uh, it was toward the end of the game, and uh, there were two runners on. The girl is at the plate, and she crushes this home run, blasted over the, well over the center field wall. She's rounding first, so it's a three-run homer, which puts the team ahead. And uh, she's rounding first base, and she blows out her knee. So she falls to the ground, clutching her knee. She's in between first and second base, screaming. Her teammates just instinctively get up and they start to run out of the dugout toward the field and they're stopped. The coaches stop them in their tracks. They say, don't, you can't go on the field. You step on the field and she's out. It's the rule. So they kind of step back and the umpires kind of gather to figure out what they're gonna do. And this girl is like in agony on the ground. Well, here's the rule. If she can make her way back to first base, if she can crawl to first base, she could stay on first base. Well, no, then you can, they could call timeout 
and you bring in a, uh, a runner. So I've been a, a pinch runner. But it's not a home run. It's just a very, very long single. So the first baseman on the team, the other, the opposing team, is listening to the ump describing this. She walks over to the ump and she says, hey, if, if, we, if we carried her around the diamond and touched the bases, like, can we do that? And the ump was like, well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no rule against it. I mean, why would anybody ever do that? You don't, you don't need a rule for that. So she got her, they kind of did a little huddle, her, and her, her infield teammates. They walked over to this girl who's still on the ground, and they said, we're going to pick you up and we'll carry you around. So they got on her arms and legs. They went to second base very gently, lowered her down. She touched, touched the bag with her foot, go to third base, home plate, and it was a three-run homer. And that team won. And that team went on to further postseason play. And the team that picked her up and carried her around lost. This is what the first baseman said. In the end, I don't think it's so much about winning and losing. It was about this girl. She was a senior. It was her last year. She hit it over the fence, and she was in pain. She deserved the home run. It was the right thing to do. I don't know. I, she didn't mention anything about Jesus, Christian faith, but I'll bet Christian principles influenced her and her teammates. Somewhere along the way, well, she said it. She said it. Like, in the end, it's not so much about winning or losing. That's a different perspective, isn't it? That's why things like that go viral. That's why I'm telling you I remember the story 15 years later. Do I remember anything about that team? I, I, no. Who cares? Do you remember, do we really care that this team won the college softball World Series? Not really. And they really won't be remembered for that. But I'm talking about this first baseman 15 years later because she was different. And that's why those three girls three weeks ago, their interview went viral because they're different. Somebody gave me this book, uh, this was maybe about a year or so ago, it was written by a psychologist, a sports psychologist, and he was just talking about the impact, the influence that sports now have on our culture, way more now than it used to. I mean, it's always been a big deal, but now it's just exponentially more, especially with kids, especially with families, parents. And this book he wrote is a, it's a total sort of wake-up call because he says that things have gotten out of control. And this guy's a sports guy. Like, nobody's against sports. Sports are a good thing. And we're not against competition. We're not against wanting to win. And we celebrate victory, all good stuff. But this guy says, if you watch parents more and more, spend an hour in the bleachers and look at what some parents are doing. Like, they've taken their, their kid's sports career and they've elevated it to this, like, ridiculous place. They're obsessed with it. Multiple teams, they're traveling all over the planet. And the crazy part is like, they're 11 years old. And by the way, they're not even that good. Like, 
they're probably not even gonna make high school ball. And this father thinks, thinks he's making the, the pros. But here's the, here's the real complaint. He said, if you watch these parents and their intensity, the volume, the frequency with which they speak, they don't shut up. We've all had that parent at the bleacher. You wanna be like, would you give it a rest? There are kids screaming every pitch, every play, cheering like over the top, yelling at refs and umpires. Before the game, they're like talking to the kid face to face. After the game, they're completely there, like too much. And this shrink's point is this. Don't you think your kid sees that? Don't you think he or she is recognizing the value that you're placing on this? And now because of that, the pressure you're putting on him or her, like this becomes the end of the world if she strikes out or if the ball goes through his legs because you're acting like it's the end of the world because this is the most important moment of the week when it's not, but you're acting like it is because it's become that for you. And he's just calling out parents to like get a grip. Take a look at what you've made way more important than it is. And in the process, probably forgotten the stuff that really is more important. Maybe like being here on a Sunday morning. Like talking about God, like talking the way those championship softballers spoke. Committing ourselves, saying to ourselves, what is most important? What is the most important thing in our lives as individuals, as parents, as families? Is God number one or is my kid's lacrosse career first priority? And if it is, man, you better take a look because that's not, at the end of the day, that's not gonna really help a whole lot. But knowledge of Jesus will, knowledge of Jesus does. That's just a very different way of seeing things, isn't it? Kind of like the way I react to when I, when I see those like, you know, very, very outspoken Christians. Like maybe they're doing it right. Maybe they're more committed than I am. And then maybe, maybe a lot of you guys. We're okay with it here, but we kind of compartmentalize. And he kind of more or less stays here. But we don't really talk about him outside, which is where people need to hear him. You know, this first reading, Old Testament Zechariah prophet, he describes this king that's coming who will be very different. It's a description of Jesus. It's a prophecy. He's saying, fasten your seatbelts. This guy's coming and he's gonna change it all. He's gonna be a new king and he's not gonna be like what you expect. He's not coming in on some, some giant horse with a sword. He's not gonna be chopping off people's heads. He's gonna love people. He's gonna forgive people. He's gonna embrace people. No more weapons. It's all gonna be about mercy and love. And he says, that's what's gonna win. That's gonna win out. That's the king that's ultimately gonna reign. And that is so different. That is not win at all costs. That is not like, this is the most important moment of your life. So I'm gonna act like a lunatic in the bleachers because nothing's more important. Yes, there is. So I mean, I don't know, like maybe we all just take, it would be not a bad thing to say, okay, do I, in some ways, maybe it's nothing to do with sports and my kids. Maybe it's whatever. It's being accepted. It's making enough money. It's being, uh, I don't know, popular. 
It's having the most toys, whatever it is. Have I taken something and just twisted it? It's not a bad thing, but it gets messed up when I make it bigger than it should be. 19, I think it was 1924, the Summer Olympics in Paris. Canoe racing was one of the competitions. The American team was expected to get the gold. The captain of the team is this guy, um, Bill Havens, American. Kind of committed the last 15 years of his life to this moment. He finds out that his wife is pregnant and she's gonna give birth. Her due date is in the middle of these Olympic games. So what does he do? You know, this is 1924. You don't jump on a plane and be home in eight hours. You're taking a boat across the ocean. So what did he do? What do you do? Do you forego this dream to be with your wife? Do you pursue the dream and not be with your wife? Anyway, he didn't really struggle with it. He stayed home and he missed out on the Olympics. And we won. We won the gold medal. And she was late. She was very late in the pregnancy. So late that the Olympics were over and the American team was back in the States and she still hadn't given birth. So he could have done both. But he didn't know, obviously, she was gonna be late. So he was always asked, like, do you regret that? He never competed again. Do you regret that, like, you didn't get the gold? And he said, well, hey, I, I wish I got a gold medal, but I don't regret my decision because my wife and my, our son who was born was f first priority. As important as the Olympics were, they won out my family. Isn't it all where we, what our priorities are? Who's most important? What's most important? Jesus describes it in the gospel. He talks about the yoke. That was like this tool thing that you'd put over two animals that were like plow in the field, two oxen, and you'd attach this thing to, they'd be next to each other, you put this wood thing over both of their necks and attach it. So they were now connected together and they would plow the fields. They were united. Jesus says, make me your yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Attach yourself to me. Stay close to me and see what a great life you have. It's what those girls in that interview were saying. I think it's what the one on the, on the field who picked the girl up did. It was what the Olympian did. They figured out what matters most and they made that their yoke. Oh, there's a kind of an interesting sequel to the Olympic story. Fast forward, now it's 1952, 28 years later. The Summer Olympics are now in Finland, Helsinki. And that guy, uh, Bill Havens, you know, he's now a middle-aged guy. He gets a telegram from Finland, from the Olympics. It says this, Dad, I won. 
I'm bringing home the gold medal you lost while waiting for me to be born. So he competed 20-something years later in the same games, same competition, and he got the gold medal. Those who yoke themselves to Christ, they do the right thing. And those who do the right thing, they get the gold.